0: And if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn me to the first book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel 17, amen. And I want to talk about the life of David in our Heroes of the Faith, Heroes of the Faith series, amen. The story of David is probably one of the most chronicled stories in the Bible. Uh, We... Really, don't meet David until he's, uh, some theologians say, between the age of 14 and 16 years old. His exact age is not known when we meet him as he is brought into his father's home and anointed to be king over Israel. Uh, but from that point on, we follow David t- till his death. And the story of David uh, is a story of power, it's a story of miracles. Amen. It's a story of failure. Amen. It's a story of redemption. Uh, It's a story of restoration. And uh, it's also a story of a man who loved to worship God and what power that brought him. His desire and willingness and ability to worship the Lord uh, really propelled him into power and authority. Uh, It leads me to believe uh, this simple strategy that I myself have applied to my life, and that is that... Your private praise always equals public power. Amen. Nobody was with David when he sat on the backside of the desert with a flock of sheep playing his harp and singing praises to the Lord. Nobody saw that moment. Nobody was able to be there with him as he lifted his voice to God and sang psalms and songs and wrote songs about how powerful and how mighty God was. No one was there to watch him do that, see him do that. But everybody was there in 1 Samuel 17. Everybody got to see him fight the giant. And his private life, amen, equaled a great and powerful public victory. Amen. I just want to say in the onset of this message today that what you do privately matters. Amen. I got one amen out of that, and that was, that was a good amen though. What you do privately in your life matters to God. It's not just what you do here on Sunday. It's not just what you do when you put on your suit and tie. It's not just what you do in the house of God, but it's what you do at home. It's what you do privately that matters to God. And and some people will say, Pastor Chavis, I don't feel like I have power in my prayers. I don't feel like when I call on the name of God, I don't feel like there's power in it. And when I speak to things in my life and I speak over my family, I speak over my children, I don't feel there's any power in that and I, I don't understand that. I don't understand why I don't have power in my life. And maybe the reason could be that you need to... Take inventory of what you're doing privately. Amen. It's easy to fool me. You don't have to be a genius to fool me. And and honestly, you don't have to be a genius to fool all of us. You can fool any of us with your attire, with your smile. I'm doing great. I'm doing good. But God always knows. How many know that God always knows? He's always on the parapet of time watching our lives. Amen. And that should... Uh, excite us because we know that God is there for us, but it, it should also worry us. Amen. It should be an exciting thought that God is always looking into my life, always waiting for the moment to touch me, to heal me, to come to my rescue, to come to uh, the, the saving of my life, but also it should worry us that God's there. Every, every time uh, you're alone, every time you're in your private life, God is always watching. God was always watching David. God was always uh, attuned to David's cry. He was always attuned to David's voice. David is probably one of the uh, men in the Bible who could call on the name of God and God would immediately answer every time. He was the kind of man that could just speak the name of God and God would be there. He was the kind of man that could cry to God. He, the Bible says that he, uh, and, and when Ziglag was sacked and his family was taken from him, the Bible says that David uh, got the, the, the ephod and he wrapped himself in the ephod and he cried unto God, God, what should I do? And the Bible says that God immediately answered and said, Pursue, and thou shalt without fail recover all. It, God was very attuned to David's ear and I believe the reason that was is because David had a private walk with God. Amen. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, if you've turned there now, verse 1 says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together in Sokka, which belongeth to Judah and pitched between Sokka and Azekah in Ephesus, Damanen. And Saul the, and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah, and the battle set in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side. And Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. Amen. So Israel's up on one hill. And the Philistines are up on another hill. And there is a low point between them. A valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines. Named Goliath of Gath. Whose height was six cubits in a span. So he was over nine feet tall. Um, And and I I, I wanted to stop right here and and just make a quick point. Samuel is writing this. This is the book of Samuel. So this is Samuel's writing. Samuel, the prophet Samuel, is basically doing an autobiography here of his life and the life of David. And he's writing and he's talking about what's happened here. And the first thing that Samuel notices is the first thing that everybody else noticed. This dude is tall. This is a big old joker right here. He steps down into the valley. The Bible says he was, his height was six cubits in a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head. And he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. His spear, his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him. This is a bad dude. He's got a a lot of stuff going for him. Number one, he's big. Number two, he's got a lot of uh, amenities here. He's got shields, and he's got brass, and he's got a sword, and he's got a shield. He's got a dude that carries a shield for him. He doesn't even carry his own shield. I wonder how that would look in a fight. He has a guy running out in front of him with a spear, and Samuel is is annotating all of this stuff about Goliath. Samuel is very... Interested in all of these things about Goliath. He's so big. He's got all this stuff. He's got a helmet. He's got a sword. He's got a, his, his, his spear looks like a weaver's beam. It's just this guy is humongous and everything about him is humongous. The Bible says in verse 8, he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and you servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Verse 11 tells the story when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. One guy standing in the valley of Eli, lifting his voice has now put an entire army on their heels. One man whose strength and power is very described by the prophet Samuel has literally made the whole army of God go hide in a hole somewhere because they're afraid to fight him. And verse 11 tells us that greatly afraid. But I like how verse 12 begins. Verse 12 begins like this. Now, David. There's always a separation between David and everybody else. There's always a separation between that chosen man of God and everybody else. Because when everybody else runs and hides, God's chosen should not run and hide. See, Brother Chavis, wasn't Saul God's chosen? Why would Saul run and hide? Well, you got to go back and read. Saul was not God's chosen. Saul was people chosen. The people chose Saul. It was their choice. Why did they choose Saul? If you go back and you read, you understand that the children of Israel chose Saul because Saul was head and shoulders taller than any man in Israel. The reason they chose Saul, because Saul was the biggest dude among them. They said, you see that big guy over there? He's the leader because he's bigger than all of us. Well, then the Philistines send their biggest guy out to fight. And the biggest guy in Israel is greatly afraid. Kind of puts a different light on it there, don't it? Kind of sheds a different light on it because Saul should have been the one to go out. Saul is the biggest. Saul is the toughest. Saul is the strongest. He's head and shoulders over every man. And if Saul was head and shoulders over every man, and if the if the common man in Israel it was just, you know, five and a half foot tall, that puts... Saul at at least six and a half feet tall, if not 7 foot tall. So Saul is a big guy. And if anybody should go, it should be Saul. But Saul is greatly afraid because Saul wasn't chosen by God. Saul was chosen by people. Amen. Saul wasn't anointed. The Bible says that Saul was anointed uh, with a cruise, but David was anointed with a horn. It was a box of oil that Saul was anointed with, but it was a horn of oil that David was anointed with. Saul was anointed by the people's vote. The people voted him in. Amen. David wasn't voted in. Nobody had a choice with David. David was God's man. Even when uh, Samuel said, Jesse, bring me all your sons, Jesse just automatically brings in the firstborn who's got all the good genes and he's the tallest and the strongest of all of Jesse's sons. And Jesse's thinking, this has got to be him. Look at this guy right here. He is a specimen of masculinity. This guy is it. And God says, nah. Because what the people would choose, God wouldn't choose. Because God don't think like us. Aren't you glad God don't think like us? If God thought like us, none of us would be here. <laughs> if God thought like us we would have been taking names and numbers at the door but God don't think like we do and the stuff that we think makes us right God said no 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 that stuff doesn't matter to me that stuff matters to the world how tall you are how pretty you are what your weight scale is that's, that's the stuff that matters to the world but the stuff that matters to God is the things of the heart and David was a man after God's own heart. And while nobody was watching David, God was watching David. And when nobody cared who David was, God cared who David was. Matter of fact, David didn't even get invited to the party. Jesse had to be called out by the prophet when Samuel said, Jesse, listen, God told me that one of your sons is going to be anointed king. And I went through all your sons. So either God's lying or you're lying. Where are your sons? And Jesse had to fess up at the end of the thing and say, You know what? I do got one more. I don't want to tell you about him. He's a little bit off. Sits out in the desert alone, singing crazy songs. He's a little soft, a little rudy. So here comes little David bouncing in the house. Someone that nobody would choose. None of us would choose David. None of us would pick David in the fight. If we're all going into a fight, Wouldn't none of us pick him. The Bible says he was ruddy and of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look upon. He was cute. David probably looked like Justin Bieber. (laughs) He was a cute, petite little boy. But God didn't see that. God saw a man of valor. God saw a man of war. The people chose the tallest. The people chose the strongest. But God said, I'll choose the one who is with me. Be careful what you choose in your life. Be careful if that you think something is right just because it looks right. God doesn't look on those things. God looks at the heart. God looks at the spirit of a man. When David comes in, he's anointed. And now David is here bringing his brothers some food from his father and David is going to where his brothers are in the fight and the Bible says in verse number 20 of 1 Samuel 17 and David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And when all the men of Israel... When they saw the man fled from him and were sore afraid and the men of Israel said have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up and it shall be that the man who killeth him. The king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Now there's a verse right there that ought to make your eyes open a little wider. Because Saul, the man who should be out there fighting him, has now given a ransom. Whoever will go kill Goliath, I'll I'll give him gold and silver, and I'll give him my daughter. Well, have you asked her about that? That ain't cool. You should be the man fighting, but you're passing it along now. Amen. There's a lot of men in the world today who keep passing it on. Never wanting to stand up and fight for themselves, but keep passing it on. The problem is, is when you do that, eventually your family pays the price for it. And David spake to the man that stood by him in verse 26, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? And taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now hold up. This is a big guy. He's nine feet tall. He's got all this stuff. Samuel has already told us all of the physical attributes of, uh, of, of Goliath. When Samuel saw Goliath, Samuel wrote down All the physical attributes that made Goliath great. But when David saw him, he was only concerned about one physical attribute that made Goliath weak. When Samuel saw Goliath, Samuel said, look how strong he is. But when David saw him, David said, look how weak he is. He's not circumcised. He's not in covenant. You see, way back when Abraham, God made a covenant with Abraham. And God said, circumcise yourself and circumcise your house. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will make my covenant with you. And you will be my people. And I will protect you. And walk with you. And no army will defeat you. When Samuel saw Goliath, Samuel said, wow, look how strong he is. He's tall. He's got the brass helmet. He got the shield and the sword and the weaver's beam spear. This guy is bad to the bone. But when David saw him, David understood something. He ain't in covenant. But I am in covenant. David saw how weak he was. What made him weak was that the Lord was not on his side. And David knew If me and this guy get in a tussle, I'm gonna win because God's on my side and not on his side. David got a little bit upset. He said, Who is this rascal right here? Talking about the enemy, talking about the the children of the living God. Who is this guy right here? Huh. You see, when you are called of God and anointed by God, There are going to be things that other people will just take, but you can't take it. There's some stuff that other people can just turn around and walk away from, but you're not able to walk away from it. There's some stuff that makes you mad. There's some stuff that if you're a Christian in here today and, and, and you live a life of Christianity and you walk with God and talk with God, there's some stuff on your news channel that just upsets you. Everybody else is okay with it, but not you. It makes you mad. People say, oh, you know, hey, just, you know, a bunch of backwoods folks don't know nothing about nothing. No, 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 no. There's something in my spirit that isn't letting me go along with this. And it ain't got nothing to do with my affiliation with the Democratic or Republican Party. It's got something to do with my affiliation with Jesus Christ. And you may be able to walk away from this, but I can't walk away from this. You may be able to see this and say, well, who cares? But I, when I see it, I say, hey, hold up. Who's just talking about God's people? Well, I'll get some amens at some point. So the Bible says that in verse 28, Elab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Elab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why are you here? And, and, and why, who did you leave the sheep with? You ain't nothing but a shepherd boy. I, I know your pride. I know the naughtiness of your heart. For thou art come down here that thou mightest see the battle. Now, the Bible tells us just a couple chapters ago that David was anointed in the presence of his brethren and his father. So Eliab was there. Eliab saw the oil poured on his head. What you talking about, Eliab? You know I'm anointed. I preached a message here several Sundays ago entitled The Problem with the Brothers. Before you ever meet Goliath on the battlefield, you're going to meet somebody who's going to be a naysayer. Before you ever face the devil, you're going to face one of us. Well, glory. Jesus was not able to see the cross if there wasn't a Judas. Don't be surprised when your first battle happens with your brother. Huh? Before Joseph ever saw Egypt... His own brothers threw him in a pit. Huh? Sometimes your greatest enemy is sitting right on the pew with you. Don't look. Don't look. Don't look at him. Don't look at him. Don't want to get nothing started. Just too early on Sunday to get something started up in here. But I say let's allow each other to be who God called us to be. Let's get out of each other's way. The Bible says that after that David said, "What have I now done question mark is there not a cause David was propelled and empowered that anointing oil that was on his head it found its way to his heart and there was some stuff he wasn't going to be able to walk away from I can't walk away from this is there not a cause and David The Bible says, when the words were heard that David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. They told Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. For you're a kid, and he has been a man of war since he was a kid. Say, you're just a little boy, and this guy's been killing people since he was a little boy. You can't go fight him. Ain't it sad that David's got to get past his own people to do the will of God in his life? Come on, church. We got to get out of each other's way. We got to get out of each other's way. If God's called you, then God's called you. God help us. God, help us to get out of each other's way. God, help me to get out of your way and allow you to do what God has called you to do. Amen. If God has deemed you worthy and if God has judged you able, then who am I to say you can't do this? I wonder how much further the church would be along today if there were some folks that would just get out of people's way and let them function in the ministry that God has put them in. But we're still trying to judge each other. And Saul cannot see the call of God on David's life. Saul cannot understand the call of God on David's life. And you have to understand this, this moment here. Some theologians would say that there's a couple of chapters here that are Backwards. And are flipped because there's some things that are about to happen that are not understandable. One of those things is, is that David, before this moment, David has already become a servant in Saul's household. And David has now played harp for Saul. And David knows Saul and Saul knows David. Matter of fact, Saul has written a letter to Jesse. Jesse. Asking if David can stay with him and play harp for him in his house. David knows who Saul is and Saul knows who David is. And so Saul's looking at David and he's thinking, you're just a musician. You can't do this thing. You're just a harp player. You're just a kid. You you can't handle him. But watch what David says. This is what the Bible means when it says we are overcomers by the power of our testimony. Because David begins to testify in verse 34. And David said to Saul, this is the testimony. Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thou servant slew both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Woo! All of a sudden David starts changing right in front of Saul. David said, hold up. I can do more than play a harp. You see these hands? These bear hands. Some of y'all get that later. He said, I slew a bear with these hands. I slew a lion with these hands. A lion, a a bear and a lion came to grab what belonged to my father and I would not allow it to happen. I grabbed him and I snapped his neck. So I was like, oh, I'm not waving." What? Now, we know something for a fact that nobody knows this. David hasn't told nobody this because of old Eliab would have known that his brother could kill lions and bears with his bare hands, he would have respected him a little bit more in that moment before. Because I got a baby brother who's a bigger baby brother. And that joker get a hold of you. It's game over. And if he says he can do something, we'll let him do it. I respect your power and authority. Amen. So we know that David hadn't told nobody this. Now I'm going to be honest with y'all in just a moment here, if a lion came through that back door, or a bear came through that back door right there, and all y'all ran out that exit sign right there, and I stayed in here, and the stream was still rolling, and people was watching live, and I jumped on the bear and snapped his neck. I'm going to be on Fox News before 1:30. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be on YouTube. Everybody's going to know who Corey is. I killed the bear. We're going to have it on video. We can rewind it, watch it again. They're going to make music to my video of me killing the bear. I'm going to be famous. But David killed a lion and a bear and didn't tell nobody. Because the private bear and the private lion is what led to the public Goliath. See, up to this point, we all thought David was just a harp player. Up to this point, we thought David was just a little skilled musician. Up to this point, he's just a cute kid. But when his testimony comes out and he says, hey, let me tell you what God brought me out of. Let me tell you what God has already done in my life. Let me tell you how God has set me free and delivered me. Hey. There's some folks sitting in this room right now. They look pretty. They got a suit and tie on. They look well, but they could stand right now and say, Brother Chavis, I was addicted to crack cocaine, but the Lord came and brought me out. Hey, there's some folks in this room right now. They may look pretty and they may look like good old Christian folk, but they got some alcohol stories. The Lord delivered me from alcohol. The the bear came against me and the lion came against me and you would be surprised where I came from. Somebody shout, I got a testimony. When Saul heard this, he said, okay. The Bible says that Saul gave him his coat of mail. Saul gave him his sword. Saul gave him all of his stuff. He gave him the brass helmet. He gave him uh, the coat of mail. And the Bible says in verse 39, David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. I can't go like this. I can't do it the way you did it. Sometimes it's okay to allow people to do things a different way than you did it. When God calls people, sometimes he doesn't call them with the same exact giftings that you got. And the same exact power that you got. Sometimes, every once in a while, God to give somebody something new. Whew, hallelujah. And we got to be willing and able to say, okay, you go ahead. You try that. The Bible says in verse 40, old David took his staff in his hand and he chose them five smooth stones out of the brook. He put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. And now I got five minutes here, y'all. And so I'm gonna tell you about these five smooth stones. I'm gonna tell you why David chose the five smooth stones. J-E-S-U-S, Jesus. F-A-I-T-H, faith. The fivefold ministry, there's a lot of reasons why David chose five smooth stones, but I have a much simpler version of why David chose five smooth stones. Do you know why David chose five? He chose five. I know that five is the number of grace y'all I know I know that, but I believe he chose five in case he missed. That's why I would have chose five. That's a big dude, y'all. I'm not going with one. Now, I trust the Lord, but I'm not going with one. You see, David had already made up in his mind. When David chose five, he had already made up in his mind, I'm not running. I'm not giving up. Now, if he'd have chose one, he might have had a plan. I'm going to try this one time. And if I miss this rascal, I'm out of here. I'm gone. Now, he, he can't catch me. He way too big to be chasing after me. Got way too much stuff on to catch me. So I'm going to give it one try. But David chose five because David's mind was already made up. I'm committed to this. And if I run out of five, I'll pick one up off the ground. There's a lot of rocks around here, y'all. These are just five good shots. Some of us will pray one time. If God don't come through, we just give up. But you know what, God, I, I've, I've known God to come through on that one prayer. Hey, God, I got some testimonies, y'all. God, come through on that one prayer. Just boom, do it. I've known God to come in on that second prayer or that third or fourth or fifth. But I know God, I, I've known God to wait 20 years. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying keep praying. Don't give up, just reload. David made up in his mind, if I miss this rascal, I'm not running. I'm just going to reload. And there's some people sitting in the room right now. Some things haven't turned out your way. It hadn't happened like you thought it was going to happen. Well, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Just reload. Say, okay, God, we're going to start over here. I'm going to pray some more. I'm going to give some more. I'm going to keep showing up. Amen. We know the rest of the story. In closing today, the Bible says that the Philistine came on and drew near unto David and the man that bare the shield went before him and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a kid and ruddy and of a fair countenance. He said, you're cute. Who sent this cute kid out here? Who sent this believer out here to me? And here, here, here the Philistine goes and the Philistine said unto David, am I a dog that thou... Comest to me with staves and the Philistine cursed David with his by his gods and the Philistine said to David come to me and I will give thy flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then, then said David to the Philistine thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and i take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and spear For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David that David ran, hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine and David put in his bag Reached in his bag and took thence a to stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone the stone sunk into the forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with the sling and with a stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword. What I want to know is where was that Joker with the shield at? See, the devil runs a big mouth. He he, he got a big game. But all you got to do is attack him and everybody's going to run. He ain't as bad as he looks. Listen, he ain't as bad as he looks. Hallelujah. And slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until... Thou come to the valley and the gates of Ekron and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Sharam, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put his armor in his tent. And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, who is, whose son is this kid? And Abner said, As thou so livest, O God, I cannot tell. And the king said, Inquire whose son the stripling is. And David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines. Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said unto him, Whose son art thou, thou young man? Huh. You see how that changed right there? He said, Who is this youth? Who is this sh- stripling? Who is this kid? But when he walked into his tent with a head in his hand, he said, who art thou, young man? And David answered, I'm the son of thy servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. I know you may seem weak and you may feel weak, but if the Lord's on your side, the Bible says it like this, if God is for you, who? Who can be against you? For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I know the world's got a lot of games and and gadgets and gizmos and they got brass helmets and and they're fit for battle. And you may feel like all I got is a a sling and a stone. But ladies and gentlemen, that's all you need if God's on your side. That's all you got to have if God's on your side. So use it, whatever it is you have. Use it for the building of God's kingdom. Stay with me all over the room. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.